The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister and senior assistant minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I've been in the midst of doing a series of podcast or episodes titled What's Going On in Metaphysics? And today I have a good friend, uh, someone who I met several years ago in the New Thought Movement that, um, you know, we became fast brothers. And I just wanted to make sure that I have an opportunity to share his wisdom with you. He's been on the show before, but I want to make sure that um, as we're having these conversations about what's going on with metaphysics, this is a voice you definitely need to hear. Uh, so for, without further ado, I have the president of the International New Thought Alliance, the Reverend Dr. Timothy Stewart. How are you doing there, Reverend Stewart? I am absolutely fabulous this morning, and I'm knowing that same truth about you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Reverend Stewart, you know, I also want to note that you are also on the board of the Divine Science Ministers Association. So we're going to talk about the International New Thought Alliance and Divine Science today, because I want to just, again, what's going on in metaphysics, what's going on in new thought. And, you know, it's really good to make sure that we are touching base with the leadership of the different organizations so we can just get an idea of where new thought is trending you know, what are the leaders seeing? What do you feel as though is necessary for us as a movement to grow, expand, and have a greater impact on the world? So before we get started, just just in case some listeners are new and they haven't been exposed to a lot of the history of the New Thought Movement, could you first of all just explain what the International New Thought Alliance, otherwise known as INTA, is? Okay, I'll be happy to do that. But first, let me just say thank you, Galen, for having me on today. Um, and I'm always honored any time I get to uh, to be a part of things, especially when uh, when you are involved in the work that you do. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you. INTA, uh, INTA is a 107-year-old organization. A lot of people don't uh, don't realize it's past. Uh, for those who are part of religious science, especially, are familiar with Thomas Troward. And uh, Troward was the uh, uh, first president of the INTA. Um, others have included people like Horatio Dresser, uh, Raymond Charles Barker, and, and many others along the, along the way. But we are considered an umbrella organization for new thought. And one of the wonderful things about it is that it brings together all of the different new thought organizations, the schools of thought. And if you look at the history, this ties new thought, uh, INTA and divine science together a little bit. The forerunner, it did not morph into it. It, it was a, uh, or evolve into it, but it was a forerunner to INTA it was called the international divine science association. And divine science, being the uh, oldest of the New Thought organizations, actually started one year before Unity. Uh, they would have these wonderful conferences under the banner of the International Divine Science Association, and the Fillmores were there, um, and uh, others that were along at that time, people from uh, things like Home of Truth, organizations that existed, they all took part in it. And so that was uh, was something when we talk about uh, the direction of new thought. I'll I'll come back to that a little bit. But uh, today, it's still one of the things that fascinates me is that when we come together as a as a group in our Congress, which is coming up this year in July. This year will be 
will be virtual. Next year we uh, plan on being live again during our planning phases. Uh, many things were still locked down and uh, I felt it better not to try to change from virtual to, um, to a destination at the last minute. So therefore we're still virtual this year but we'll still have a lot of opportunities uh, to share both hearing the wisdom of speakers from all the schools as well as sharing with each other and giving people an opportunity uh, to talk and ask questions of the people who are speaking there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, um, Reverend Stewart, you know, speaking with, obviously, you're connected to all of the, you know, major and independent New Thought organizations that connect through INTA. Um, what is the conversation about what is needed to help the New Thought movement grow and have a greater impact in the world? Well, one of the big things right now is that the groups are beginning to collaborate together more. We talk about oneness, but many times we have, uh, you know, that we are uh, all the same divine presence and expression, as I like to say. I, I tend not to say we're expressions of God, but instead I say we're God expressing as us. We are the uh, we are the divine in expression. We all agree on that, but yet the organizations and each one we respect them and we honor them for the uniqueness but we find that collaborating gives us a greater audience and greater ability to uh, spread our message and it really is almost almost every uh, new thought leader i know uh, the fillmore's uh, charles fillmore said this ernest holmes said it that they weren't about building churches but it was about changing consciousness it was about something that would change people's lives and so we really are looking at a time when we're beginning to work together more more closely yeah i think that that does make a difference you know i've seen situations and circumstances in the new thought movement where um even though you know every brand or version of new thought has its own slight tweaks but overall i think the teachings are primarily the same. Some emphasize certain things more than others. Um, but, you know, it's very hard to say, for instance, you know, switch organizations or or have your credentials um, uh, get recognized by another organization where, you know, if somebody's a Southern Baptist in Florida, you know, they're a Southern Baptist in the state of Washington, and it's really not a hiccup. Even if they, you know, because the training is is the same, basically the theology is the same, and it's recognized as such. Um, and so I I do think that part of what we have to do to grow is collaborate. How can we collaborate? How can we support each other? How can we help each other train? How can we support our upcoming ministers and teachers? How can we help churches grow? And those type of conversations are necessary if we want a movement that, you know, that is expansive. So when um, INTA is coming together and putting together programs uh, with that collaboration, um, you know, I think that that could be something that could be looked at in, in, in new and various ways. Um, I, I do want to um, just, just slightly veer off just for one second, because, you know, uh, one of the things that I that I found out when I first met you was you originally came out of ministry out of the Word of Faith movement and transitioned over to a new thought. And I was wondering if, if you were okay with just speaking a little bit about that transition, similarities and differences in, and how your soul ended up making that transition. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, I was in a group and I, I uh, thought of this as you were talking about the uh, transfer of uh, recognition of ministerial credentials because I was in a uh, Pentecostal church, uh, which was the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee. And I got into a particular field, which was Word of Faith. And some similarities, Word of Faith people do not beg God for something. 
they do believe in speaking their word and, and uh, that that is within their, as they would say, their authority as a believer. But it still teaches a duality. Um, and I had been in that. I my was not raised in it. I went to it of my own accord when I was about 17 years old uh, and um, went to a Church of God-owned college, which is now... It was Lee College when I attended. It's Lee University now in Cleveland. But um, after being there for a period of time, certain things no longer made sense to me. And um, I find that new thought is one where if you reason, it makes sense. Um, certain things, and I know uh, uh, you know Carlton Pearson and mm -hmm. you know his story. And how one morning he was watching a, a television program, I think, and they were talking about children in another nation and how you know they had to have the gospel or they were uh, they were destined for hell, basically. And that couldn't resonate with him. And there was something about an omnipotent, omniscient God and the condemnation that was there that could no longer resonate with me. And uh, when I left the uh, true Pentecostal or Word of Faith type movement, I was really not familiar with New Thought as a uh, religion or a spiritual movement. I was some of the um, principles or teachings I'd heard in a very secular way through uh, more positive thought and uh, personal development type things. But I met a lady that um, is uh, now my wife, and I call it, it was, uh, it was evangelical dating. She had just started going to a religious science church, and um, that's where I got started, and it began to resonate with me. And the first class that I ever took was a Troward class, actually, and the idea of what omnipresence and really knowing that there is only one became very alive to me. And to me, that was the, that was the most, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, it was an explosive idea within me that suddenly changed my outlook. And yet I remembered as a uh, that one that one night as a child I had laid in bed and wondered what made me who I am what made me who I am and I somehow reasoned even as a child that somehow that was uh, it was God and, and in that case God within me I don't use the term um, God with so much now because I, I always say now there's no such thing as God and man there's only God as man or God as humanity. Uh, there's, there's not an and there, and you're putting two separate things together. So um, I say it's God as. But it was, uh, to me, coming into new thought was coming into something that felt like it was inherent within me from birth, but I, had, I was asleep to it. It was an awakening to truth is what it really was. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. And I think that's a great story because, you know, it shows the evolution of the soul. Not saying anything is wrong with anybody else's religion, but your soul journey. And to recognize, you know, when you start asking questions, <clears throat> that's a great thing. And new thought, as Ernest Holmes would say, is open at the top. And that allows us to ask questions that sometimes, you know, religion and religious leaders don't want us to ask. But I think that any God or religion that can't can't stand up to critical thinking, to critical questions and evaluation needs to be, I want to, I'll just say, needs to be further evaluated because the soul produces all of these religions and I think that that's a, a, a great soul journey and story but back to INTA oh. uh, Reverend Stewart 
So I do know that you uh, are working on a Congress, as you mentioned earlier. Could you talk a little bit about the Congress, when it is, uh, how people can um, can connect with it, watch it, and who are some of the speakers? Uh, Reverend Stewart, are you there? I am. I, I lost the uh, audio, but fortunately, I, I had another phone laying beside me, so I called back. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so so I, I as, what I was asking your... you about was, could you explain uh, a little bit about the Congress, how people can connect to it? In other words, how can they virtually attend the Congress? Where do they need to go, and who are some of the speakers? Okay, absolutely. Um, our Congress, and this is our 106th annual Congress, We've had one every year since the founding, except for a year during World War II, that we did not have a Congress one year. And uh, this year, if you want to find more, I'll give you a website, and I'll tell you a little bit about the speakers. The website is newthoughtevents.org. And we have newthoughtevents.org for the, uh, for the Congress. Uh, newthoughtalliance.org is the main uh, INTA website. But among the speakers there, for those of you, I know he's been a guest on your show, we are going to have Mitch Horowitz in this year. He will be our uh, speaker on our uh, final night. We, uh, I try to make sure that the uh, there's representation from all of the different New Thought schools. So uh, we are from UFBL having uh, Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen who has spoken for us many times. She's what I call one of our favorites. We're also having uh, Reverend uh, Sonia Byrne, who is the executive director from, from CSL. Uh, Unity, we're having uh, Cynthia Alice Anderson. We're having uh, Linda Martella Whitsett. And um, I, a matter of fact, we'll probably, before we're out of here, um, quote something from uh, Linda Martella Whitsett. She's a, a wonderful speaker wrote a book called How to Pray Without Talking to God. Mm -hmm. uh, Divine Science, we'll have Darrell Watkins in. He's the president of that. We'll have uh, uh, Dr. J. Scott Neal, who is a, a legend in religious science. And the list goes on. In, um, we have some people who have spoken a lot, and this year we tried to get people who haven't been there in a while. So uh, Dennis Mayer Jones, as an example, uh, is going to be one of our speakers. Also an author and someone who's well-known uh, within New Thought, especially within religious science circles. We have it uh, international. We have one speaker who's from the Ukraine. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And the uh, one of the other features is that after our evening services, when we have our keynote speakers, Immediately following, we will have the ability to open it up as a uh, room that allows those attending to have a conversation, ask questions, and virtually get to uh, to meet everyone. So it's really a great time. We do have some workshops that are going to be done. We'll have morning meditations. And um, because of the... Uh, difference in time zones across the U.S. While we do pull internationally and we do have members around the world, uh, our strongest membership, of course, is within the U.S., but we've tried to time it where it won't be too early for the uh, West Coast and not go too late for the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And you can find more information and register at uh, newthoughtevents.org. Okay, newthoughtevents.org. So if you want to get in tune, find out more about these speakers. Obviously, um, UFBL, Unity, Divine Science, Centers for Spiritual Living. Uh, we have, uh, you know, representation, and we want to make sure that um, you have an opportunity to, to get this message. I do want to just give people an opportunity to, to ask a question if they want to call in. You can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. Five, five. So, uh, Reverend Stewart, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the New Thought movement in general. So when, um, you know, we're speaking out to people, speaking to people and speaking to people about our movement, um, you know, we 
really emphasize the practicality of our metaphysics. Um, how do you how do you teach new thought to people who are just newly exposed to it? Well, I think the first step for me always, and I, this is different than some, but is about understanding the connection that this means to um, everyone around us and to everything. In other words, we teach a unity. The, the many things that we see in society today, uh, we're becoming, in, in new thought, we may talk about this like we're becoming much more interested in, in ideas of social justice than we have been in recent years. We're becoming uh, more involved in many other things that aren't, uh, how do I say, they're, uh, they're about ideas and they're about our spiritual beliefs and respect for people. So I begin with something that allows people to, to begin to understand that and how... Uh, I heard one minister, again, someone who was a friend of mine, and he went from one particular organization to another. He holds ordination in, in two. And he said, I was always told there was a power greater than I am and that I can use it. He says, but now he said, I think there's a power greater than I am and it can use me. And actually, both both are correct in their own uh ways, but our spirituality is something that can be practiced daily, useful in daily life, and it's more than, um, well, as uh, I said at a church where I was speaking, we have to go beyond that point of being a beginner when, when people think because they're able to to um, get a great parking spot that they have somehow arrived, there's more to our teaching than that. So... Uh, it, it really begins with a teaching of waking up to your own divinity and feeling empowered by that, feeling encouraged by it. And then, again, if you only see the divinity in yourself, you can become narcissistic. You have to be able to see that in everyone, even those with whom you disagree. Uh, and right, well, especially uh, even now, our nation is um, pretty divided in some of its politics. You have to see the person who totally disagrees with you and understand they are the same exact presence that you are, and it's a different expression. They're a different expression, the very same thing. You have to see God in the, in the um, person who has sometimes done something that you may have felt was wrong or hurtful. You have to see the divine in it. Uh, as I tell people often, you know, Mother Teresa, as much as she did so many good things, she was no more divine and no less divine. Maybe I should word it this way, that the person locked away in prison is no less divine than she was. It's only a matter of awakening to that and being able to live as an expression of it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so uh, we have about a minute and a half before we have to take our break, so Reverend Stewart, I have to do my quick Christ Universal Temple commercial. So uh, just want to remind everybody that you can tune in to our virtual live stream, which is every Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Central Time until noon, and you can connect with us through our Facebook page, which is Christ Universal Temple. In other words, you can watch the service on Facebook. You can watch it on YouTube, which is um, at our YouTube channel, which is CU Temple, the letter C, the letter U, the word Temple together. And you can watch the live stream. You can subscribe so you can get notifications for it on Facebook or on uh, YouTube. You can also go to our website, www.cutemple.org. We want to make sure that you're in tune. If you're in the Chicagoland area, we're going to have an outdoor service in our parking lot. You know, we have, you know, a lot of, you know, hundreds of cars, you know, because our parking lot is so big. Uh, we build a gigantic stage. You know, we put uh, big monitors up so people can see 
we even allow uh, have a little local radio station so you can listen to it in your car if you, if you don't want to get out of your car. But we just tell people, bring your lawn chairs, sit next to your car, enjoy a good sermon, enjoy good music, enjoy prayer, enjoy fellowship. We want to make sure that we're having a good time. Um, Reverend Wells uh, mentioned um, yesterday in our virtual membership meeting that we're going to be fully back on campus as far as in-person services in the main chapel on August 1st. So in the meantime, let's connect on Sunday for our outdoor services. Let's stay connected virtually, and we'll be back in the house really, really soon. So let's take this uh, break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we go back with the show, I also want to just do a couple of other quick reminders for Christ Universal Temple. I just want to remind everyone that Christ Universal Temple has Facebook daily inspiration lessons. So at Monday through Friday from about noon to 1230 p.m. Central Time, we have Facebook live lessons based upon our periodical for, or the UFBL's periodical, the daily inspiration for better living. I, along with a couple of other people, teach these lessons Monday through Friday. You can watch them later. If you can't watch them live, they're all on the Christ Universal Temple Facebook page. You want to make sure that you tune in. We also have a consciousness building call every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Time. You can get that information on our website if you want to call in and just get a quick 10, 15 minute prayer treatment. It's just to solidify your consciousness and keep on going and doing the things that you need to do. I want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transformed with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, give it a five-star rating, and write a positive review. Why? It helps with the algorithms, so it can get it in front of other people. This show is also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, all those apps that carry podcasts. If you are listening on one of those apps, Again, I will ask you to, you know, give it a five-star rating, write a positive review, whatever is necessary to help with the algorithms that put the podcast in front of people. If you are getting the benefit of this show, if you are being helped and supported by this show, help me get this information out. Also, if particular shows impact you in a positive way, if you have favorites, in other words, Share them on your social media. Let people know about it on Facebook, on Snapchat, on Twitter, on Instagram. Let people know. Text it to people. If something impacts you, I've just found out that some people have been listening to my Secrets of the Millionaire Mind uh, shows. And, uh, you know, I did a long series of episodes on that particular book. And people are still listening to it, along with other things from the past, because I've been doing this podcast for nine years. So I want to make sure that we get this new thought message out to the world. We have a message, I believe, that can help the world heal. But we are as caretakers, and it's our responsibility to get the message out. So now you're my disciples. Go out and become fishers of men. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Reverend Stewart, so talking, going back, talking about, um, you know, being the president of the International New Thought Alliance, where do you think New Thought is going? Well, I mentioned or touched on this a little earlier, that um, obviously we're becoming more aware of things that are happening in social justice circles and how that is in alignment with what we teach. I also see science making it in quite a bit. There's um, a lot of things now if in certain and let me let me back up and say this. Every new thought tradition or school, whether it's UFBL 
unity, centers for spiritual living, divine science, or something else. Each one has certain points they emphasize more. Um, Ernest Holmes wrote and said he looked forward to the day that science and spirituality would walk hand in hand. And uh, within those circles, I see them very much getting into uh, new things that the scientific community is finding. And uh, my one thing I point out is you're not saying something new about something uh, a spiritual law being at work or a spiritual principle being at work, but what they're doing is they're seeing what's happening in the body, perhaps, when it comes to healing and how consciousness affects that. And that is leading to a lot of people beginning to be open and accepting to more of new thought because it gives them uh, something that perhaps they resonate with. Social justice, another huge issue. Um, in new thought, the same as, as any other. There are people who sometimes um, tend to only see what benefits them from it. By that, um, you know, occasionally if, if uh, someone gets upset with them, they're, well, what, what is it in you? It's always about the other person with it. What is it in you that has upset you? And there's some truth to that way of thinking. But if they get upset with somebody else, it's, again, well, why was that person like this? You know, it's, um, we have to have a well-rounded thing where we understand we are a community. If we are one, someone else cannot be left out unless I'm also left out. Someone else can't be helped or loved without me being helped and loved. What happens to someone else is happening to me because we are one. So I think social justice issues and, uh, again, the, the science of certain things are both becoming uh, very prominent in the New Thought movement. Um, yeah, unfortunately, some people are misinterpreting the social justice movement, even, uh, even within New Thought, and they think it's getting political, and it's not. It's getting issues of... Um, recognizing what is our um, standing as a human being, what is our standing as an individual. It's understanding those things and beginning to put them in practice. Yeah, that, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that sometimes people, and all people, not New Thought people, not Baptists or, uh, or any other version of Christian or Islam or Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and other various religions, sometimes people tend to not understand that their context uh, impacts and informs their religion unconsciously. So sometimes they think that their culture and their context is actually a part of the religion and it's not. In other words, the principles that they are spouses, you know, so, you know, it, so it's easy to dismiss a Jesus saying, love your neighbor, when you have a very shallow uh, interpretation of who your neighbor is. And it gives us an opportunity to be able to really ask ourselves, do we really believe that we're one with all people? Do we really believe that there's something radically right about every human being? Do we really believe that we can create a world that works for everyone? Do we really believe it? And even if that means that I have to address my own sacred cows, if that means I have to address uh, my own blind spots, and I think that that's something that is showing up in our movement, and quite frankly, it's past due, but it's necessary because sometimes people tend to forget that, you know, um, as far as religious movements go, I mean, metaphysics has always been taught, but as far as, as a movement, you know, New Thought is what, 160 years old, something like that? And, you know, it's, 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 de it's definitely something to think about from that perspective. So let me ask you about the Bible uh, and New Thought. Uh, New Thought obviously teaches a metaphysical 
interpretation of the Bible, various versions, you know, me coming from UFBL, you know, I primarily do the, you know, the, the Charles and Myrtle Fillmore unity interpretation of biblical metaphysics, but it's basically similar. Most of it is quite similar. Uh, why is New Thought's approach to the Bible necessary and needed from your perspective? Well, again, when you just spoke about your culture, um, living where we live, especially, uh, I had someone once say, because I was at the time at a, a religious science church, and I said, oh, well, you know, if I was speaking there, he said, I'd use Bible every week. And I was actually in a church that didn't use very much Bible. Um, and as I say, the Bible is one of those books that, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a Galen McDowell said this to me one time. I think you know that guy, Reverend Galen McDowell. <laughs> he said we take, he said we take the Bible seriously, but not literally. Yeah. And to look at it from a metaphysical point of view. Uh, it is the language so many people speak when it comes to their spirituality. Um, I have a story that I have permission to share, and I've shared it from the pulpit before, of a young woman who came to me, and she had converted to a traditional type of Christianity. She was going to a Baptist church. And during all of her talk, she said, that uh, she's wanting me to help her, and she says, and you just don't know what I've seen. And I said, well, tell me. And she starts doing this, and the woman was, was having some issues. She was even seeing a psychiatrist for it, and again, I have permission to share it as long as I keep it anonymous. And in this, she said, I know it's all my imagination, but, and I never let her finish her statement. When she said that, I cut her off and had her repeat that. And from that, I went to the right biblical quote that after the resurrection, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Is that right? And she was you know, ready to, to begin shouting like a, a church on Sunday with that. She, she liked it that suddenly I was quoting Bible back to her. And she agreed. And I, from that, that was my springboard to teach one power to get her out of a belief in duality. Mm -hmm. And I could do that using... Bible. At that point, it was okay for me if she wanted just to call it Jesus, you want to call it the universe, you want to call it spirit, call it what you want. But the thing was, my job at that point in life was not to convert her to my religion. My point was to bring her peace and help her with the issues that she came walking into my office seeking an answer. My job was to help her find that answer. And by using that, several other quotes from the Bible, I finally uh, even had her psychiatrist write me a letter and said, please continue working with her. You've made more progress with her than I've made in years. And at that time, I had only been working with her a few weeks. But it was all about teaching spiritual principle from Bible, and it brought about a huge change to her. Um, if I, if I go back to a moment ago, or I say a moment, or one of the first things we talked about in this was my coming from traditional Christianity of duality and so on, and the Word of Faith movement, into New Thought. And the link, sometimes people get into New Thought and they, they put this dividing wall there between them and, and traditional Christianity. Well, the... Word of Faith movement, the father of that movement, was a man by the name of E.W. Kenyon. And Kenyon studied Mary Baker Eddy and Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. He never let go of some of the uh, <clears throat> traditional uh, things that require duality, but he did see uh, prayer and the ability to speak his word and to know things, positive prayer was what he really brought into that and, and into the Word of Faith movement. But he picked a lot of that up from New Thought. So I think that um, many times the Bible is our key to allowing someone to understand what we're saying because that's the language they've spoken. Um, and it can be very empowering. Again, um, it is about understanding. 
they had a friend of mine in the particular school of Mill Hall they were in. They teach, of course, on about the fallibility, not the infallibility, but the fallibility of the Bible. And most uh, most fundamentalists would, uh, uh, as we say in the South, have their bristles up about that. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. But uh, if we look under Old Testament, I can show you an Old Testament scripture that says that if a woman's not engaged or married, she's not betrothed, and a man rapes her, she has to marry her rapist. Somehow that doesn't resonate with me. It, right. Um, you know, you can't take that as a literal thing and think God said it. Um, times when the children of Israel, and one time in, in particular, I think it's around Numbers 31 or 33, and I have to look again to quote it exactly, but they were told to kill the men, the, even the women and the children, everything except the young girls who were still virgins and those they could keep for themselves. We have to understand that was a custom of the time. That was a cultural thing. I don't believe that there was uh, some divine directive to kill a, a little boy and save a little girl alive because you could later her later take her for a wife or whatever i don't uh, i don't believe that was divine directive so um, i think we have to be able to take it and understand it and go beyond just understanding it as a text and understand part about the time when it was written and the culture around that time and what may have been said and then go beyond that and look at the many things there that are, are uh, yeah, met metaphysically in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I will say this: I'm I'm a huge fan, and I, I think you are as well of Neville Goddard. Yes. And uh, Neville was a, a great teacher. He was around almost everybody. He never belonged to any of the New Thought organizations. Neville took the entire Bible from beginning to end as completely allegorical. Believe no one in it was real. Then you look at teachers like um, Emmett Fox or Joseph Murphy, who believed some were metaphorical or, or allegorical people, and others were real. And uh, so there's there's not uh, reason to sit and debate that. It's about learning the truth that's there for the individual. What truth can you find there, and how can you apply it to your life? Absolutely, absolutely. I always tell people when it comes to the metaphysical Bible interpretation method that we're seeking to help use the Bible as a tool to understand your own soul evolution, to understand how your consciousness works, to help you understand how to connect with the spiritual you and how to work with spiritual principles and laws to help you live a better life. So, you know, if it happened, literally great. If it didn't happen, great. What can I learn from it that can help me grow, that can help me expand my awareness of my oneness with God? How can it help me get my healing, my breakthrough, my prosperity, my peace of mind, my joy, my satisfaction, my fulfillment? These are the things that the metaphysical Bible interpretation method bring to the table from my perspective. So, you know, as I'm, you know, drilling home, you know, because, you know, UFBL out of the, you know, is one of the new thought um, uh, organizations that emphasize Bible a lot, as you know, uh, Reverend Coleman did. And of course, a success that a Bible toting metaphysician, uh, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin, and, you know, and including now um, Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen, we teach the Bible, but we teach it metaphysically interpreted and then practically demonstrated. Because I think that that's the other part, because if you can you can get too theoretical and then you don't necessarily do anything with it. And I can still remember, um, you know, Reverend Stewart being in meetings with Reverend Coleman and she would say, go right to the metaphysics. You like teach the literal. So that's that was just the context. But then go right to the metaphysics and give them the practical. And she would say to us, until you give them the practical application, you haven't taught them anything. And I still hear her voice. I can hear it in her own voice saying that to us. Until you give them the practical application, you haven't given them anything. 
And I think that that's one of the things that stuck with me when it comes to how I teach the Bible based upon the people who taught me. And I do think that it does make a difference to know the literal, know the scholarship, know the know your craft. But then at the same time, you also have to know your craft as a metaphysician and as a metaphysical Bible teacher. I do think that it makes all the difference in the world because you can't help people with information that you don't know. And I agree with you completely about the world context. In other words, so many people, even if they have a surface understanding of religion, they, in at least in the United States, they tend to trend towards the Bible. So they have some belief about the Bible, Jesus, the God of the Bible, etc. And you have to be able to navigate it if you want to be able to communicate with people because it's a bridge. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, you know, we have about six minutes left, so I, I do want to maximize this time. I do want to, and we can wrap up with another question, but I do want, just in case people just tuned in, if people want to uh, attend, virtually attend the International New Thought Alliance's annual Congress this year, um, what, what are the dates? I don't know if you said the dates or not. Uh, it's July the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. It's three days. Okay. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And <clears throat> those um, uh, are full days. We used to start only in the evening on our first day when we were, were in life. These are three full days. And we uh, you can register online if you go to New Thought Events dot org if you have any issue let me give a phone number just in the event someone has an issue with uh, with uh, an online registration you can call our offices at area code 480-830-2461 that's 480-830-2461 or you can uh, do an email to info, I-N-F-O, at newthoughtalliance.org. Either one of those. Beautiful, beautiful. I also want to just touch base on two other things. I know a lot of people don't know that the INTA actually houses the the New Thought Archives. You know, you know, I went in there and I had to put the, the climate control, I had to put the gloves on, you know, because the books were so old, <laughs> you know, original edition, yeah. you know, books from Warren Feld Evans from the 19th century. Um, mm-hmm. If people want to support the project, first of all, of either sending books or donating uh, to this project, to that, to the library, or they want to just support the International New Thought Alliance with a donation because it is a non-for-profit how would they go about supporting INTA financially? Well, we do have online giving, uh, of course, at newthoughtalliance.org. And then you can also call our office, the number that I gave just a moment ago, 480-830-2461, and make a donation. Um, our archives is the largest collection of new thought materials in one place anywhere in the world. That is the way that it was explained to me several years ago. And um, like you, the first time I walked into the archives, it's amazing because you literally, and you say you put on the white gloves first, but you can go over and find books that were not books necessarily written, but, but the books that were handled and the notes in the margins are from some of the very early pioneers and founders of the New Thought Movement. And you get an idea of the stream of consciousness they were getting as they read through these books. So you get to read the things they read. You get to see their handwritten notes many, many times. We have uh, audios and videotapes there. Um, we have, And I don't know the very earliest of uh, Congress is exactly how far this goes back, and it's something I, I really should know, I guess. But uh, we have recordings from Congresses going back years and years and years that we can pull up those messages, and people can can do that. We're um, we're also currently working on uh, 
getting some of our things online so that they're uh, viewable without having to travel to Mesa, Arizona to see them because that's where we're located. So we are uh, currently undertaking that and uh, getting some of the uh, audio and vid- video digitized so we can have it uh, available online. Our uh, our goal is to see to it that the material doesn't sit there just as a uh, as a repository, but it becomes something that is a source that's more easily available. So if you'd like to donate to that, we're uh, we would we would absolutely love to have your support, and we appreciate that. Yes, you know, um, one of the things, and we only have about a minute and a half left, but I just want to share this quick story. So when I went into the archives and someone explained to me that, you know, they had all of the, you know, old daily words from, you know, basically since daily words had started, they, had, they used to be in hardcover books that so they would put them in one year at a time. And mm-hmm. so I started, I, uh, so I looked up family members and my friends' birth dates. And I said, birthdays. And I said, well, you know, let me just take a picture, you know, and I would take a picture with my phone. This was probably maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe nine years, something around that time. And I would just take a picture and I would text the pictures to people and said, okay, this was the message that uh, was written in the daily word when you were born, you know, and, you know, I had some people that far back as the forties and fifties, you know, forties, um, you know, obviously up through my era and, uh, and and friends, and everybody loved it because sometimes it's just good to see, okay, what were people reading spiritually in this movement when I was born? And I just thought it was just a real interesting uh, thing to, uh, and gift to give to people. And it was just, and again, yeah, reading and looking at some of these materials and realizing I'm holding, you know, a first edition of something that I have maybe the 15th edition of at home was, was very humbling. Mm-hmm. So I just want to just thank you. It looks like um, I just looked up and realized we have about 15 seconds left. So I just want to thank you, Reverend Stewart, uh, uh, for uh, coming on the show, explaining uh, INTA and the Congress and everything of that nature. So Godspeed with the Congress, and I know that it will be beyond successful. So listeners, support it support it. You got the information. God bless you all. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.